Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Be seated, and what I'm going to be sharing with you uh, tonight is a continuation of uh, if you were here Sunday. And uh, let me say that it's probably some of the most inf uh, important information in the Bible, all right? So uh, once again, if you've uh, struggled in life, uh, if you've uh, suffered, if you've been sick, uh, uh, you've been a victim, well, this information is for you. It's very, very important. And uh, we're just going to declare uh, that uh, God's going to give you an answer tonight. Praise the Lord. So uh, because of what I'm going to be sharing with you, and we're tying it uh, to the year 2050. What year? 2050. Uh, that's not uh, too far away. It's only 27 years, right? So you can calculate your life and say, well, I'll be uh, 70. I'll be uh, 60 by then. Well, uh, whatever... Whatever age you're going to be, uh, I don't want you to make plans to die, all right? No, don't make plans to die, but make plans to live. Uh, this is what the Bible says. Psalms 118, verse 17, the Bible says, uh, we shall live and not die. Lift your hand and say, I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's people that are making plans to die, when uh, long life has already been established by God. Everybody understand that? Long life has already been established by God. Everybody can live a long life, all right? Uh, he says in Psalms 91, 16, that uh, he'll, he satisfies us with long life. So long life's already been established. So in order for us to live a long life, we've got to be healthy, Right? A healthy life. Praise God. And uh, when we look at John 10.10, 10, I'm just going to go over some things and uh, establish uh, a foundation here. And I'll share some, uh, uh, some powerful things as a, con a continuation of Sunday. So uh, uh, Jesus said in one verse uh, uh, what, the, what he does and what the kingdom of darkness does. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have what? That you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. But before he said that, he said, the thief, the thief has come not but to do what? Steal, kill, and to destroy. So we know the objective of the devil and that, that he's going to steal, kill, and destroy everything you got. So we got to keep the devil out of our life, right? That's right. He has no business in our life. None whatsoever, because if he's in your life in any form or fashion, then he's only going to steal, kill and destroy what you have. But thank God for Jesus. Somebody say thank God for Jesus. He said, I've come that you might have what life and you might have uh, a life in abundance. Praise God. So when we look at that verse uh, and, and we can. Uh, uh, just uh, connected to all the other scriptures, we know that abundant life uh, means health. That's what abundant life, because if you don't have health, I mean, uh, you're struggling, right? And uh, uh, we can't criticize anybody or condemn anybody for any kind of sickness because we don't know. That's not our business. Our business is just to help people get healed, right? 
but uh, uh, abundant life is health. Somebody say it's health. Uh, not only is it health, but it's long life. Once again, it's prosperity. It's having a good marriage. It's having uh, successful and mighty children. So if any of you have children, uh, you want them to become very successful and become mighty children according to Psalms 112. Now, abundant life has already been provided through a channel, all right, an unfailing channel. And when we look at uh, Calvary's cross, uh, Galatians 3.13 and 14, we see that Christ has redeemed us from what? From the curse. Say that with me out loud. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. So when we're talking about abundant life, you say, well, uh, has it been provided? Yes. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law, right? Uh, being made a, a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. Now, in the next verse, he tells you why Christ has redeemed us. That the blessing of Abraham, somebody say the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And the reason he says Gentiles, because it already belongs to the Jewish people. All right? So now everybody's included. So Christ has redeemed us. Somebody lift your hand and say, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. Now listen real carefully because here we go. All right? Uh, the Abrahamic blessing includes uh, three major portions, all right, or three uh, divisions or three parts, all right, which is number one is the spiritual, and that is first and foremost. Number two, it includes uh, uh, the physical, and then it includes the material. So when we look at Abraham, uh, and he, the Bible tells us that he's our example, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we see that... Uh, he was spiritually blessed, right? And then was he physically blessed? Yes. Uh, he lived for 175 years. The Bible says in uh, uh, Isaiah, uh, Genesis 24 and 25 that he lived a good life. And then uh, he, when he died, he died satisfied. So the Abrahamic blessing, once again, includes the spiritual. Somebody say the spiritual. Uh, it includes the physical and the material. In other words, it includes everything you'll ever need in this life, right? So the blessing of Abraham. So uh, most people don't even know this. So they say Christ died. Well, I'm saved. Uh, I'll meet the Lord someday when I leave planet Earth. But in the meantime, I'm going to struggle, be sick, be uh, uh, bankrupt, be in, in poverty. Well, no, the blessing of Abraham. Jesus came for a purpose. Somebody say Jesus came for a purpose. He came so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us so that we could live the abundant life. So the abundant life belongs through us, through Jesus, and that has been provided through the blessing of Abraham. Can you say amen? But Jesus made that a reality. He included you into the covenant. Listen to me. The covenant that God made with Abraham, and that cannot be broken. Everybody understand that? 
So my big question tonight is this, as we, uh, as we go through this. My big question is this, how do we obtain that now? Well, it's not difficult, all right? Because anything that God gives us is not difficult, but it takes some effort. Everybody understand that? So uh, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of Christians say, uh, being a Christian, life is hard. Well, no, it's hard for the transgressor, all right? For the sinner, it's hard. But no Christian should ever say it's a hard life. It's not a hard life. It's not a hard life. Uh, I remember when I came back from Vietnam, and I wasn't committed to God. Now, I was, I, was, I was 20 years of age, and I was messed up. 20 years of age came from the war in Vietnam. And uh, then I had one more year left here in the States, and then I went straight to the university. And when I, came to the, when I went to the university, people were complaining. I said, what are you complaining about? I just came from a war zone. This is great here, man. We have air conditioning. We have schools. We have food. Man, look, we have, we have cars. We have all this wonderful stuff, man. We have a nice house we can live in. We have running water. Uh, does everybody understand? We, uh, we can't complain, all right? So I know uh, people have said, hell is here on earth. Well, I understand what they're saying but uh, because they're going through some hell. But hell is not here. We have air conditioning, right? Hell is bad. We don't want to go there. So my big question is this. How do we obtain this life? It's already been offered to us. That is an established fact. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. And that includes everything we'll ever need in this life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Now, uh, how do we obtain that? Well, I'm going to give you one verse. And uh, I'm going to try to, in the little short time that I have, now this takes about five hours or a month. I'm dealing with the Spanish ministry for a month on this, all right? So it takes a lot of, a lot of information and, and explaining, but I'm going to try to reduce it down to about 30 minutes, all right? But uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, and we're going to read it in uh, New King James, and we're going to read it in the New Living Translations that you can get it. Now, uh, it says this, and now abide what? Faith. Somebody say faith. And then he says hope and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, in the New Living Translation says this, three things, and I like what it says. Three things will last forever. Last forever. How long are they going to last? Forever. He says, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, all right? Now, I want everybody to look at me because I don't want to lose you here. All three of these are equally important, all right? And none of the three is a substitute for any of the other, all right? They're all equally important. They work together. They work in unison. And if one of these is missing in your life, your life will not function. Everybody understand that? These three are powerful forces, in the most powerful forces in the universe, faith, hope, and love. If one of these is missing, you're going to have a hard time. Your business will not function. Your marriage will not function. Man, you're going to have a bad family. You're going to struggle in life if these three are not 
in full operation in your life. Uh, so all three are equally important. They are no substitute for the other, all right? And number three, these three are based on the Word of God, all right? Everything is based on the Word of God. In other words, via the Word, right? So when we're talking about faith, we're not talking about I have a faith in a God somewhere. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Bible faith. Somebody say Bible faith. And then we're talking about Bible hope. So Bible hope is not the hope that people use in everyday language, all right? When they say, well, I'm a hoping and a praying. Well, we're not talking about that. Uh, we're talking about Bible uh, hope. In other words, hope that is based on the Bible. And I'll give you a couple of scriptures on that in a few moments, all right? But first, uh, just like I said Sunday, you got to get this. First, uh, first is hope. What is first? Hope, right? Uh, hope is first, and then faith follows, all right? So why, do, why is hope first? Because in Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, you'll see it up in the screen. Now, faith is the what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I want you to say it with me because this has got to stick, all right? Say this. Now, faith is a substance of what? Of things hoped for, all right? Uh, look at me. Uh, what if uh, there's nothing that you're hoping for? Hmm? Well, faith has nothing to work with. Does everybody understand that? So hope is number uno, is uno, number one, right? If you uh, first, hope is first, and then faith will follow. Now, let me describe uh, faith for you. Faith is, the, I mean, hope is this. It is great expectation in your life. It is a vision that you have. It's objectives. It is goals that you have, all right? It is dreams that you have. And I'm not just talking about uh, night dreams. I'm talking about when you close your eyes and say, I see myself living there. I see myself having that. I see myself healthy again. I see myself running. I can't walk, but I see myself up and up and going. Can you say amen? That is, the, uh, that is hope. And hope is first because if it's not first, faith has nothing to work with. Does everybody understand? Now, when hope dies, listen to me real carefully. When hope dies, then you are helpless. Any person that is hopeless is helpless. Any person that does not have a dream or objective, you say, well, I did have one, but uh, that died because of the circumstance. I quit dreaming. I quit having goals in my life. Well, uh, if you stay in that condition, your life is over. Does everybody understand that? That's very important for you to know. And the reason I say that is because uh, we know unbelievers, some of them have a, a hopes, right? And they have objectives, they have hope, they have dreams, they have goals in their life, but the majority of the people don't. And then you find God's people, well, all of God's people must have hope. Can you say amen? If you're hopeless, you're helpless. And if you're hopeless, then you have impotent faith. In other words, your faith is dead. 
So people that do not have hope, uh, they say, well, I have faith. Really? No, you don't because uh, hope, faith needs hope. Does everybody understand that? When your hope dies, you die. That's it. Your life is over. See, I don't have any more dreams. I just go to work. I come back, go to work, come back, just a routine. I take care of my children, watch television, uh, come to church sometime, and then that's my life. Well, that's not a vision. And also, your children are, are, should be part of your vision, but your children are not your vision. Does everybody understand that? Uh, our vision has to be tied with God's master plan, all right, for it to work. So hope is first. Somebody say hope is first. And then when you have established that, then faith will follow. Does everybody understand that? So we'll go back to Hebrews 11.1 1 again. Now faith is the what? It is the substance. In other words, faith adds substance to what you're expecting, uh, what you're uh, envisioning. Uh, it gives substance to what uh, you are expecting in life, what you're hoping for. It is the evidence of things uh, not seen. So hope, again, is great expectation. It's goals, objective. It's your ambition. It is a vision that you have, a dream, right? So where does hope come from? Where does hope come from? I'm talking about Bible hope. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from the same source that faith comes from because it's from God, okay? Now, let me say this. All those three powerful forces, these three that will last forever, these three have been deposited in every believer, every born-again believer. I'm not talking about people who just go to church. I'm talking about people that have been born again. When a person is truly born again, have accepted Jesus as a personal Savior, God through his spirit deposited, number one, faith. He deposited hope in you. He deposited love in you. Now, our responsibility is to develop all three. Does everybody understand that? We have to develop them. So how does Bible hope come? It's already in us. How do we develop that? Well, let's go to Romans 15, 4, the uh, New Living Translation. It says, such things were written in the scriptures. Now, watch this. They were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us what? They give us hope, right? They give us hope. That's the NLT. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. All right? Once again, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to, to be fulfilled. Praise God. So it mentions, now watch this, the words, it mentions scriptures. It mentions uh, scripture again. And it mentions promises. So hope, Bible hope, is based on Scripture, on the Bible, what he, uh, what he says. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 4, verse 17 or 22. And I'm just going over this so I can give you some uh, good information here tonight. As it is written, I was talking about Abraham, I have made you a father of how many nations? Many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist or do, uh, that, uh, that are not as though they are. Who contrary to hope, now this is talking about Abraham, uh, 
in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what? To what, it was, uh, to what was spoken, so your descendants shall be. So Abraham, the Bible says, had great hope when God spoke to him. He said, you're going to be the father of many nations, and he didn't even have one, not one son. But uh, because God told him, does everybody understand that? Because God said it, he had hope. And the reason he had hope is because God can't lie. He can't lie. Does everybody understand that? God cannot lie. So the, the most reliable information, the, the source of reliable information is God's word. If you can find it in the scripture, you can have hope. You can say, I see it. It says by his stripes we were healed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's what it said, and God cannot lie. I'm a child of God, and that's what I'm going to have. I'm going to have help. I'm going to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field. That's what he said, and he can't lie. Does everybody understand that? You may not have it, but you now you're starting with hope, and this is where it all begins. It begins with hope. Hopeless Christians are dead Christians. And when you see Christians, now watch this, not you, but when you see Christians afar off, and they have this long face, and they're dead, and they don't have any joy. Those people, they don't have, they, they don't have a vision. They don't have hope. They don't have any objectives. They, they don't have anything because if they did, they would have faith. And, and if they had hope, they would have faith. And if they had faith, they would be joyful. But when you have hope, man, something uh, begins to boil inside of you. Something begins to be stirred inside of you. You say, man, I see it. God promised it. Man, I'm not going to stay in this condition. I know that I'm going to be that because God is not a liar. Can you say amen? Now, listen, it worked. It, it's worked in my life. The reason I'm giving you this information, because I've, I've made it. Well, I've seen it work, and I've proved it in my life that it does work. And I've seen it for the last 50 so, uh, so many years that it's worked in my life, and I'm still continuing at the age of 75, healthy and blessed. Praise God. Can you say amen? Okay. Now, once again, if hope dies, if hope dies in your life, you can't allow it to die. The Bible calls it a lively hope, a hope that is alive because it's based on something that is alive, which is the Bible. If your hope dies, your life is over. If you stay in that condition. Now, it doesn't matter the age. You can be 15. If your hope dies, you're dead. It, your life is over. That's why a lot of kids are doing this. Look. Boom. Kids are committing suicide. New Mexico is number one in suicide. And then uh, what if you're 80? If you're 80, if you lost your hope, if your hope is dead, your life is over. You might as well just go on and be with the Lord. Where uh, hope does not exist, hope, uh, faith is helpless. To be hopeless is to be helpless. Does everybody understand that? So no case is closed. I said no case is closed until you close it. You say, yeah, but the doctor said that. Who cares what the doctor said? He's not God. We have another report. And Dr. Jesus, he's, uh, he's our healer. And the Lord says in uh, Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord that healeth you. But if you believe a bad report, 
and you say it's over because a man told me it was over, then it's over for you. You closed your case. Does everybody understand that? God cannot close it for you because he made you in his image and his likeness, and we are responsible for our life, but God has given us the tools, and he given, he's given us the most powerful uh, supernatural forces, uh, and he put them in our inside of us, in our hearts, so that we could develop and, and, and for us to have the abundant life, all right? So when I first saw that, the abundant life, when I was about 24, I said, wow, no one ever told me about this. I was just religious. I just go to church. I was saved when I was very young, but my church never taught that. I said, wow, man, I'm going to live this life. Man, it's mine. And I took off like this. Look, from 24, and I'm, uh, it's still an inclined plane for me. I'm going up every day. And I'll share with you how important that is, all right? So we're looking at the year 2050. So I'm going to put something here on the screen uh, about vision. And you need to jot this down because this is very important. Okay, now, one, two, three, those three are connected to the Abrahamic blessing because the Abrahamic blessing includes spiritual, physical, and material. So you must develop a vision right now. And you've got to start writing it. Uh, everyone look up here, please. Uh, some people say, I have it here. No, the first, uh, uh, the first hit that you get from the kingdom of the dark, if the devil ever hits you, you'll forget about your vision. You have to write down your vision. Somebody say, write down the vision. And your vision has to be connected to God's master plan. If you've taken spiritual warfare training, I teach uh, God's master plan. So your vision, your personal vision, has to be tied to the master vision. Everybody understand that? And if you, if you tie it with him, because God is flowing, he's moving. And if you're tied to his vision, you're going to always be flowing, right? And your vision can be this, uh, my business. It can be my house, but I'm going to give you all the glory, Father. I'm going to use my house, my business, my talents, my gifts, my, my life. I'm going to use it for your kingdom and to advance the kingdom. Does everybody understand that? And in the process, God will give you everything you need. He will give you everything. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So, you must start working on this because if you're a hopeless person, not even God can help you if you stay in that condition. Do everybody understand that? And he said, and God says this, this is the reason. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Say that with me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, but everyone that cometh to God must believe that he is uh, a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, uh, Hebrews eleven six. So if you have no hope, then your faith is impotent. How can you have faith, right? Uh, then if you have no faith, that means you can't please God, and that means you're in trouble. You are in trouble, right? So you have to begin to develop that and you have to begin to write out your uh, your first and foremost your spiritual life and then start working your goals for your physical life and material 
uh, your material part of your life. I'm writing goals now for the year 2050 for this church. It's going to take months to do that. But we have to have a vision. Now, all ministries, listen to me now, all the ministries in Kingsgate, and all the ministries in uh, uh, Victory Center or Centro Victoria, every ministry within that ministry has to have a vision. If they don't have a vision, they're dead. If it's children's ministry, they got to have a vision. We're gonna, I'm going to make sure they have a vision. And I want to see it on paper <laughs> because, because we've got to connect it to God's vision. Everybody understand that? Children's ministry, the music uh, mu- ministry, they have to have a vision, not just coming and leaving and saying, we just come. No, that's not a vision. Everybody understand that? Going to work and coming back is not a vision. You'll be hopeless. And if you're hopeless, you're helpless because there's no faith involved. Faith is the substance of what? Out there somewhere. Your dreams, your objectives, your goals, they're out there. He said, My, now I can apply faith. Faith needs something to work with. It needs hope. Hope, uh, Faith gives substance to uh, things hoped for. And and it's the evidence of things not seen. Does everybody get that? So this has to be worked on. This has to be worked on here. Uh, If you don't have a vision, you are dead. Okay? And many Christians say, I wonder why my life's not working. Well, hope died in you. You lost it. All children have dreams hello that's right remember when you were a kid he said i'm dreaming i'm gonna be a fireman oh yes i can see myself yes i love it i'm gonna be one of those superheroes right oh yes i can see myself as flash right uh yes i can see i have dreams and then when you grow or you're going through the process of life the devil begins to hit you. You start going through problems and circumstances, and then those hopes and dreams die. And when those dreams and hopes die, you're dead. That's it. And that's why we find a lot of people that are walking dead. <laughs> They're the walking dead. They're the walking zombies. Uh, what's your vision? I don't have one. I just go to work and come back. I go to work and come back, and we'll fix our house sometime. And then Friday, we'll just uh, go out, and we'll come back. It's the same old routine. Those people are dead. And they're dying. Does everybody understand that? So you have to work on these. And you have to write it. Somebody say write it. That's it. God knows better than we do. He says write down the vision. So everyone must do this if you want to stay alive, right? If you want to have lively faith, powerful faith, a faith that will will be great faith someday, you better have a vision. Can you say amen? Now, after you have hope and you've written down your vision for your personal life, for your business, for whatever, but you have a vision, and it must include those three, your spiritual life, your physical life, and your material. You've got to have a vision for that uh, because if, you're, if, if you don't have a vision for your physical, which is your, your body, you won't last long. Listen, I'm 75. I feel like 30. Really? I feel like 30. I, I, I act, I mean, I have long hours. My life 
I just feel like 30, man. I do. And God is my witness. Uh, he keeps me healthy. The Bible says that Moses, now watch this, at 120, God had to uh, come for him because, you know, he disobeyed God, and God just said, he said, I want to go to the promised land. He said, no, you're not going to the promised land. He's, uh, but I'm gonna, I want you to go, go up this mountain here, and I'm going to take you home, all right? But at 120, he had perfect eyesight. 120, he was strong. Some people are dead at 30. They can't even move. Some people are checking out at 40. Some are checking out at 50. Some say, if I can get to 60 and get my little check, then that's my vision. Maybe that's not a vision. That's not a vision. Everybody understand that? When your hope dies, you're dead. Any church that has no vision is dead. No ministry, no individual life, no family. If you've lost your hope, you're gone. It's over for you. You have to re, re, uh, uh, make that alive again. Revive that hope in your life. Hope is first. And then here comes faith. Right? If, if you have a vision, now you can apply faith to it. All right? Now, what person would be better than Jesus to describe faith? I don't think so. I don't think there's anyone. He's the best. So let's listen to him tonight. Wow, okay, I got 10 minutes. Wow, I need about 20 hours for this, all right, to give you uh, what Jesus said, all right? But uh, let's go to Mark, quick, Mark 11, 22 to 26, and Jesus here describes uh, faith. And he starts off by saying this. Now, listen real carefully. He says, and Jesus answered and said to them, have what? Faith in God. Now, we ought to have faith in God. Listen to me real carefully. That's very important. We ought to have faith in God. But the original text does not say that. It's translated in, ang in English and Spanish. And I don't know about the other languages because I just know Spanish and English. It's translated, have faith in God. Tener fe en Dios. Have faith in God. But that's not what the original text says. The original text says this, have the faith of God. He said, how? I mean, we're just human. No, we were made in his image and in his likeness. And we are sons of God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with God. So we can operate in the God kind of faith. And that's what Jesus was telling his disciples. He said, have faith, have the faith of God. All right. And then he's going to explain it. And then he went on to say this. For assuredly, I say to you, whosoever shall say, somebody say, say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says shall be done, he will have whatever he says, right? Now, this is dangerous, but also a great blessing. You will have in this life what you say. All right? You will have what you say. It is, it is a law. And uh, Jesus describing faith. Now, listen, everybody, I don't want to lose you. Listen to me now. Uh, it's a combination of two things. It's heart and, and mouth. Somebody say heart and mouth. 
That's it. If uh, you say, well, I just believe in my heart, but if you just keep it there, then uh, it will just stay there. There will be no manifestation, all right? So faith, the God kind of faith, Jesus is teaching us now how to uh, have the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith not only believes it, but it also says it. And we see that from the very beginning in uh, Genesis chapter 1, that uh, it says it ten times only. But can you imagine throughout the whole Bible? God never does anything without saying it. And God said, there, uh, let there be light. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. All right? So if we want to uh, have the God kind of faith op operating in our life, then we have to believe it with our heart and say it with our mouth. But you say, well, Pastor, what I'm saying, uh, I don't believe it. Yes, but if you'll continually continue to say it, you will believe it. Even liars will believe what they say, right? That's right. Even a, a, a lie. If you say a lie long enough, you're going to believe the lie, right? So imagine what this truth, uh, uh, this truth applied to the word of God, the truth, right? If you say the truth long enough, you said, by his stripes I am healed. But you know what? I really don't believe that. You know, uh, how could that be? I mean, it's... Uh, it's absurd. Uh, by his stripes, I am healed. Yeah, but if you'll continue to say that, as you say something, listen to me now, because there's an inward man in you. The more you say it, it will be deposited inside of you. And once you believe it here, then you're going to say it. And once you say it, then it's going to manifest in your life. Can you say amen? That's the way it works. Everybody understand that? So... But that will never be part of your life until you have a vision. That's it. And your vision has to be connected with God's vision for it to work. But once that is in place, your faith is ready to be uh, put in motion, be activated, praise God, and to have great things in your life. Praise the Lord. Now look at verse 24 on this. Uh, look what it says. Now this is a powerful verse. And I like it in Spanish because it's, in Spanish it says it this way. It's on its way. All right. Uh, in English it says, therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you what? Believe that you receive them. Now this, not every, most of the things that we pray for are not instant. Everybody understand that? He says, when you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them. In other words, when you pray, believe that you said, I got it. I got it right now. Uh, this is uh, what day of the, of the month? This is the 19th. This is the 19th of July. I receive my healing, my health right now. This is, it. this is the way it works. You see how powerful that verse is? And he says, and you will have them. That's Jesus. Can Jesus lie? He can't lie. He cannot lie. God is not a liar. He cannot. He's not a man that he should lie. This is truth here. You see? And he's teaching us how faith works. It's real simple. That, as powerful as that verse is, and, it, and in Spanish it says this, y os vendrá, okay? Os vendrá, that means it's on its way. Praise God. Praise God. When you believe, when you pray, 
you believe that you received it, it's on its way. Praise God. But listen to me real carefully. As powerful as that verse is, if you don't do verse 23, once again, verse 23, he said, For surely I say to you, that whosoever says to this mountain, God's not going to do the same for you. He don't, God don't speak to your mountain. You speak to your mountain. Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt where? In his heart, but believes that those things he says. You got to believe what you're saying. If you don't believe what you're saying, then keep on saying it until you believe it. You keep on saying it. That's the way I live my life. People say, yeah, but you're a pastor. That's why you're blessed. No, a lot of pastors are sick and dead and all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't have my kind of life because I'm a pastor. I, I have my kind of life because of the Bible. I took a hold of this, and I, I found out uh, re- at a young age, it's a manual. I said, it's a what? It's a manual? Well, if it's a manual, then I'm going to put it to work for, uh, for me in my life. And I've lived, now the last time I had, now listen to me, the last time I had, this is to give God the glory. The last time I had a flu was 1978. And that's because I was learning it. See, did you get COVID? Of course not. No. Did the plague come to your house? No. Did it come on your life? No. Did you take a shot? Of course not. I didn't take any of that junk. It's, it was all a plan. I'm not part of their plan. And they already proved it. No, no, I'm not part of that. You say, you're lucky, man. No, it's not luck. And then I have three great children. You said, you're lucky again. No, it's not luck. Does everybody understand that? No. And pastor, are, are you blessed in every area? Every area. Do you have any problems? No. Uh, challenges, they come. Jesus said, my burden is what? Is light. My yoke is what? Easy. My burden is light. And Christians go around and say, life is hard. You're reading the wrong Bible. <laughs> or you're not complying with the right Bible. But that's not Bible. So, in a nutshell, tonight, I share two of the most powerful, of the three most powerful supernatural forces in the universe. Hope, based on the Bible, and faith. And all three work together. And if one is missing, your life will not function. And this life is not a hit, miss, trial, and error. If you think that that's what life is, then you will not make it. This life is based on what God has said, and it, you can have a victorious life. I don't care who you are. He said, yes, but you don't know my past. I don't care what your past is. He said, uh, you don't know. Well, God's not a respecter of persons. You can have, I don't care what kind of addictions you had, what kind of weird stuff you've been in, what kind of perversion you've been in prison or whatever, I don't care. When you come to Jesus, you become a new creation. And you become a, a, a new person. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new.
and everything that is in the Bible for God's children belongs to you. It's your right. It is your legal right. It belongs to you. It's the children's bread. But you have to work it. If you don't work it, you're going to have a terrible life. So we're going to work on hope. Somebody, we're going to work on hope. Put that on the screen again. This is what you have to work on, that vision. Uh, this is your personal vision, and you'll tie it with God's vision. You have to work on these three. Start writing down uh, things that you hope for in the future. You've got to work on this. And, and I'm not going to ask you, but if I came up to you in about a month or two months and said, uh, what is your vision? I don't have one, Pastor. I know you're dead. Everybody understand that? You're dead because your faith is dead. And faith needs something to, uh, it gives substance to what we're hoping for. If there's nothing out there, faith that says zero is zero. I can't give substance to zero. Does everybody understand that? You've got to have something out there. Praise God. So write down your vision and say, this is me in five years. This is me in 10 years. Man, I see myself happy. I see myself healthy. I see myself joyful. I see a restoration of everything that the devil stole from my life. Everybody get that? Boy, you got to be bold, man. That's it. And start living for God. Praise the Lord. And everything God tells you, everything like from tithes to offerings and all that, don't uh, just do exactly what God says. And we're going to be blessed. Are you ready? Because uh, my time is up, man. Oh, let's stand up and lift your hands real quickly and say, my heavenly father. I declare Jesus as Lord. Say that. I declare Jesus as Lord. Say it again. I declare Jesus as Lord. I declare Jesus as Lord. And I believe with all my heart that God raised him from the dead. And I thank you, Father, for a revived hope and a revived faith in my life. And I thank you for agape love that is moving in the mighty name of Jesus. And I give you praise. Now, put your hand over your heart, your physical heart, but it's going to be for your whole body. Just say, I receive my healing right now. It, it belongs to you if you're a child of God. You just confess Jesus, so it belongs to you. Say, by his stripes, I, I am healed. Matthew 8, 17, he said, he took, say that, he took my infirmities and my pains. So if Jesus took them, then you don't have to take them. He took them. He took them, praise God, hallelujah, and we're healed. By his stripes, we were healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.